Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. Happy New Year. And welcome to a brand new bonus edition of Heck of a Morning here exclusively on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a a fantastic 2023 so far. 2022 is officially a thing of the past. We have changed the calendar over to 2023. But before we officially move into the wonderful world of mixed martial arts for 2023 i wanted to do a bonus show since there is no mma hour today on this monday january 2nd 2023 ariel will be back on wednesday for the highly prestigious the mma hour award show for 2022 but i wanted to put it a bow on 2022 by doing a sort of a review of the bellator versus Ryzen card that took place in the very early morning hours of Saturday, December 31st, which is New Year's Eve. And I have to say, it was pretty compelling television. It, it was pretty compelling television in, in my estimation. I'm going to give my takeaways from the event, and I don't really have anything prepared. I'm just hitting record and going as I do this. But I definitely wanted to talk about it. I had some thoughts. I had some takeaways. I'm even going to give the event a grade overall. But for those who didn't get a chance to watch it or for those who didn't get to follow along on MMAfighting.com, we were up bright and early covering not only the Bellator versus Ryzen main card, but we were covering the Ryzen 40 prelims, which holy cow, that was a ton of fun, the Ryzen 40 prelims. And then we went right into the Bellator versus Ryzen main card. And I have to say, and I'll talk more about this when I give my grade, but if you missed it, it kicked off with Godzi Rabadon off against Koji Takeda. And that was a super fun fight and it could have gone either way. Rabadon off with a big knockdown in the first round. Looks like he was going to finish Takeda, but Takeda 
is a freaking zombie, man. And if this was one of those fights that was in Las Vegas or in most major cities in the United States under the normal scoring criteria that we're used to in the world of MMA, I scored it a draw in that sense because 10-8 for Abadonov, no question. And I actually thought Takeda won the second and third round, but it was a very close fight. Rabadonov got it done. The knockdown, the damage he did in the first round basically overtook everything. And it was a good start to the card. Very competitive fight. And I thought that was one of the locks of the card. And it just showed how game the Ryzen fighters were. As we move on to the second fight, Bantamweights, Juan Archuleta gets a split decision over Suchol Kim. And again, this is another one of those fights that kind of calls the judging and the scoring into question a little bit because, I mean, look, it was super close. There's, this is not a robbery or anything like that, but I went back and watched it again this morning, and I actually thought Suchol Kim won the fight. I actually thought he won. I thought he did the majority of the damage throughout. I thought Juan did pretty pretty well. Um, again, this wasn't a robbery. It's a close fight. Watching it live, I actually I actually gave it to Juan, but watching it again, I could see the the, the argument for for Suchol Kim, and I think a lot of people agree with what I just said there as well. But split decision for Archuleta, that's 2-0 for Bellator. And then we move on to the second fight that I thought was a pretty convincing lock for Team Bellator, and turned out that was the most dominant win on the card. It was Kyoji Horiguchi versus Hiromasa Agikubo Part 3, and Horiguchi goes 3-0 and in the series, and more importantly, he, with his unanimous decision performance, it was pretty one-sided. Somewhat competitive, but there was no doubts that Horiguchi swept everything, and had the most dominant victory of the entire card, in my opinion. And like I said, more importantly, that won the whole thing for Bellator. That was it. It was all house money from there because they were up 3-0. They win. And then it went on to the final two fights. Patricio Pitbull versus Claybrook Koike. Not the greatest fight of all time, but I understood kind of where Patricio was coming from. And I understood where a lot of the Bellator fighters are coming from because you're going in there, you're taking, you're in Japan, New rules, new setup, at least for some of these guys. Not used to fighting in this kind of atmosphere, this rule set, fighting in a ring instead of a cage. And you could see it. Like, Patricio, he he was very tactical. He was very smart, if you will. Didn't want to play Kleber's game, especially on the ground. In the end, it was a close fight. The numbers suggest that. I thought Koki did a lot better on the feet than I thought he would. But... Patricia Pitbull wins a unanimous decision. And then how about AJ McKee going in there against a very dangerous Roberto De Souza, Satoshi. And it was just like, F it. I'm, there's no real game plan here. I'm just going to get in there and get after this thing. And I'm going to have as much fun as possible. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about AJ McKee later because I thought he was the star of this entire card. Gets the unanimous decision win. It got a little hairy down the stretch, more so in the second half in the fight. Most notably in the third round where... Satoshi had his back, had the body triangle, looked like he might sneak in a rear naked choke, but to AJ's credit, survived, did the damn thing, and I was very impressed with AJ McKee, and I'm sure I'm going to be talking a lot more about him, but let's get into everything. I'm going to start off with the grade that I'm going to give for this card overall, and the grade I'm going to give this card overall, and some might agree with this, and some might disagree with this altogether, 
just look seeing what I saw on Twitter, not just during the card, but throughout the day, I'm giving it an A minus. I'm giving it an A minus. And maybe that's a debatable score, but here's here's how I'm looking at it. I'm grading it for the card itself. I'm not grading it for some of the the negatives. And there weren't a ton of negatives, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the negatives in a little bit. And I'm gonna lay out the sweet, delicious irony that I've learned and discovered throughout all of this. But stay tuned for that. I'm giving it an A minus. What I I I would say like my realistic grade is a B, which is really good because it was compelling. After Ryzen 40, it kind of slowed the night down a little bit, but and not in a, a, a horrible way because the Ryzen 40 card, there were like eight or nine finishes. It was just boom, 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 boom. And there's two reasons why I'm giving my overall grade a bump up. One is because I think Bellator and Ryzen deserve a lot of credit for at least trying something, right? MMA is kind of vanilla, and I'll talk more about this in a little bit. It is just what it is. Like, fights happen on Fridays, fights happen on Saturdays. This is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to play out. This guy's fighting this guy. It's, I don't know, it's, it, it just gets vanilla at times, especially when you're covering multiple promotions. Like, the UFC just puts on so many events, and sometimes it just kind of drags. And then you get to Bellator, and they do what they do. And then you get to Ryzen, and they kind of mix things up a little bit in different ways. And PFL is who they are and one is who they are. They try to mix things up in different ways. But the fact that they took a risk here and they did something different, I'm giving them a half grade bump for this. So that puts it up to a B plus. And why I'm giving it an A minus is wasn't even for the fights themselves. It was the opening ceremony. The opening ceremony was absolutely incredible. And if there's one thing that I implore you to go back and watch, if anything, on this card, like if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm just so mad it wasn't live in the United States or whatever, and we'll touch on that too. If you got to go back and watch something, go to either, I don't know if Bellator has it up on their social media page. I know Ryzen certainly does. I highly implore you to go back and watch that opening ceremony for the main card. The one for Ryzen 40 was really good too, but this one was freaking awesome. It had the pride theme, had everything. It was just so good. It was so good. And I almost shed a couple of tears watching it in my office. And the fact that I didn't was probably because it was so early in the morning where I was at and I was pretty tired. Didn't get a ton of sleep in preparation for waking up for this event. But the opening ceremony, holy smokes, was so good. It was so good. Go back and watch it. It's like four minutes long. Spectacular stuff. Just really well done. And if I was in Saitama Super Arena, I would have bawled my eyes out. That's how good it was. And that ceremony alone made me think to myself, before my career is over, I have to go to a New Year's Eve card in, at Saitama Super Arena. I have to do it. I have to do it, and I have to experience it. And it was more so for that. So for me, the card was a solid B. The risk-taking, the coolness, the uniqueness, the... One of the guiding rules we like to follow for goodness in the world of mixed martial arts. Two promotions coming together. They want to have some fun. MMA is supposed to be fun. They try to do something fun. And I give them a half grade bump for that. And the opening ceremony gives it an extra half grade bump. A minus overall. And some of you might agree with me and some of you might not agree with me. But that this is me. This is how I looked at it. 
In the end, Bellator sweeps Ryzen. AJ McKee gets the big win. There's a, there's a lot of takeaways. There's, there's a lot of good that has come out of it. I do want to touch on the negative, and then I do want to touch on the sweet, sweet irony that I discovered throughout all of this. And the one negative is the obvious negative. It's the fact that we were all very excited for this event. Fans were all very excited for this event. There are multiple ways you could have watched it. But the fact that it was not live on Showtime or wherever in the United States was a huge miss. It just was. And I saw John McCarthy kind of get crushed for, for this because he responded saying, essentially, and I'm not going to pull it up right now, but they're saying, like, you're getting mad at these promotions for showing this card at a more suitable time for the U.S. as opposed to them showing it at 5 a.m. Eastern, 2 a.m. Pacific. Tough crowd, I believe, was the, the, the final wording of that tweet. And I looked at some of the responses to it, and John got crushed. He got crushed. And Josh Thompson retweeted it, and Josh took a, a little bit of a beating on social as well. And I've actually kind of supported Bellator in this, and I've told you guys about this many times on multiple shows. The fact that it wasn't live, they don't get all the blame for this. Like I know everyone just wants to jump down Bellator's throat. They wanted this to be live just as much as everybody else. TV deals and broadcast rights and all that stuff, out of my realm. Don't know anything about it, but from what I understand, the fine folks at Bellator wanted this to be live in the U.S., and for some reason it wasn't. And I will say that if this ever happens again, that can't happen. That can't happen. Now, I understand where John is coming from. And I understand where Josh is coming from in some ways. They're, first of all, they're not going to talk crap about Bellator. They're not going to. They're company guys. They get paid by the promotion. They work for the promotion. They work for them. They're not going to sit there and just be like, oh, you're right. You're right. Of course. It was a stupid idea. And I'm not saying it's stupid. I, again, broadcast television rights, I don't know anything about that stuff. And it could be a lot more to that. And I'd love to know why it wasn't live in the long run. But I'm sure it's, it's a reason that I couldn't come together and fathom on my own. Because I don't know anything about television distribution. Don't know anything about it. But that can't happen again. Now, I bet you're thinking to yourself, what's the sweet, sweet irony? The sweet, sweet irony of all of this is that the biggest negative from this card is that the MMA media, who got called out by Josh Thompson heading into this, and I told you my resolution is to be a little more positive, not do beefs or respond to silliness or anything like that. I'm going to be better at that. And I'll talk more about resolutions throughout the week because we'll do that on heck of a morning. But the fact that the biggest negative of all this is that the MMA media actually covered this event too well. Like, we actually covered it too well that it made people very upset and it was the biggest net negative of the, of the whole thing because there were a lot of fans out there that thought that the showing on Showtime at 8 p.m. Eastern was going to be live. And to their defense, it was presented that way. It was presented, watch live on Showtime at 8 p.m. Eastern, which was wrong, which was wrong. And I don't know if they meant to do that, that's what it came out to be. So people were nestled in their beds. They slept in on Saturday. Looking forward to watching this card live at 8 p.m. Eastern. By the time they woke up, we were done. It was over. 
it was done. We already gave you your results. We already wrote up a couple of post-fight scrums from Scott Coker and AJ McKee. Like, we were done covering it. Like, we were done with it. And people were like, what the hell? I thought it said it was on at 8 p.m. Eastern. So they woke up and they found out the results. Why? Because we covered it too well. We covered it too well. And that, that's the sweet irony of it all, is that we were called out for not giving this enough coverage, and we were called out to, to do our effing jobs and cover it, and we covered it, and it was the biggest negative of the entire event. And to that, I say sorry, but we got to watch it, and we covered it. I did a, a live heck of a morning during the card. So we could do we we could do a kind of a watch along. So like we had like a couple hundred people on at one point. So if you wanted to jump on and find out what was going on, I just freaking told you. And some people were able to watch it live. Now I know there are some people out there is like that are saying, well, do what I did and just watch it on a VPN. That's great. And you could have done that. But it shouldn't be that difficult to watch this live. It just shouldn't. And you should be able to give people the option. You could either watch it live. Or you can watch it later. We'll turn off Twitter. We'll stay off social media. And we'll just wait for 8 p.m. We'll just stay off the internet altogether. Now, you're asking a lot of people to do that. But at least you're giving them the option. Here, here's your two options. Wake up super early and watch it live. Which I think a lot of people would have done. Or you can wait till later. And even then, you're at least being honest about it. And letting people know, hey, this is not live this 8 p.m. showing. But if you want to watch it live, you could do it this way. So that's my biggest takeaway. I thought the irony of it all was really kind of funny, and I laughed about it <laughs> for pretty much the last few hours of 2022 before I went to sleep, that we actually covered it too well, that it, it sort of led into the biggest negative of all of this. And it certainly wasn't meant to be that way, but it is 2022, and there's no way we were just going to be like, spoiler alert, Spoiler alert, don't look at this because it's 2022 and it should never be that way. So moving forward, hopefully this never happens again. This is always a, a big issue with Bellator over the last few years was where the tape delay international cards. They've done a much better job with that, but this can't happen again if we're going to do something like this, especially when you're pushing it as hard as you are and the, the, the people who work for you are pushing it as hard as they are. Like you can't set it all up, and then just be like, oh yeah, by the way, you have to wait 12 hours to watch it. 15 hours. You have to wait 15 hours later to actually watch it in an easy and accessible way. But, to, but I'm not going to sit here and dump on much else. I liked the card, and there was, there was a lot to like. So I'm going to... The negativeness, I mean, will there be like little tweaks and critiques? Sure. But overall, I ain't going to sit there and just crush anybody because there's no need. There's no need. So... The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Here are some of my biggest takeaways. And these, these are different things. There's, these are different things about the fights. These are different things about the build. Different things about just things I would like to see in the future. So the first and biggest takeaway, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, AJ McKee, I completely agree with Scott Coker. AJ McKee is the MVP of this entire card. He's the MVP, 1,000%. And I know Bellator went 5-0, and and maybe some of the fighters will be like, okay, whatever. AJ McKee is the MVP, and here's why. Because there was a tweet from my wonderful colleague, New York Rick, Eric Jackman, our social media guru, put it out on Twitter, it's in the middle of the main event. I think it's after the first round. And New York Ricks did something to this effect. AJ McKee just wants to do fun shit, and I appreciate that. Well, that makes two of us, man. And that should make a lot of us. Because on paper, and we talked about it a lot on a heck of a morning and, and throughout the build of this, the narrative put together for AJ McKee's fight with Satoshi was that if this fight stays standing, it's his fight to lose. AJ McKee, that is. Pronouns, pal. But if he dares to go to the ground with Roberto de Souza, it could be a long or a you know, a very short night for AJ McKee. And I know there's a lot of staff members in our private Slack channels that are like, Satoshi's just going to tap AJ McKee. And AJ McKee's like, well, forget all that noise. Danger's my middle name, bro. And he just jumped right into the fire and he did fun shit for 15 minutes. It was awesome. And it was compelling as hell. It was fascinating to watch because this guy had zero Fs to give and I respect the hell out of that. And like we talked about earlier, Satoshi made things very interesting in that third round. He took McKee's back, and it just looked like as every second was passing, he was getting closer and closer to locking in that rear naked choke. And there were certain times he looked like he had it. But McKee, to his credit, able to fend it off, gets the win. It was unanimous nod. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is the MVP. AJ McKee is the MVP. And in my eyes, his stock rose tremendously. And Bellator needs to push the crap out of this guy. And one thing I noticed with that fight in particular compared to the others is that to me, like going in, like it was a very cool concept and there were stakes involved, no doubt about it. You want to sit there and you want to represent your promotion in a battle against another company's top talent, right? You, you want to sit there and you want to go in there and you want to win. But it was also kind of like a fun thing. Like we're going to go do this thing. We might be able to do stomps and soccer kicks. But the stakes just see, it seemed to be a little bit higher for everybody involved than, than even I thought, just maybe in their mindsets. Who knows? And I know Scott Coker talked about it on his post-fight interview saying, I let these guys know, like, don't take these guys lightly. Take them seriously. I want to 
I want a 5-0 and sweep. And good on them for delivering for their guy. Nobody wanted to lose. Nobody wanted to lose. And that was clear, even from the, the Ryzen side, because they were all really competitive. Like I said, Koji Takeda, stock rose tremendously in that fight with Rabadonov. Suchol Kim, stock rose tremendously in my eyes. Even Kleber Koike, just being able to strike as, as efficient as he was, it was it pretty? Absolutely not. But he landed a lot of volume. He landed shots. He used his length very well. Patricia's just, better, just a better striker than him. And he has moments on the ground. Patricia's very solid down there too. But kind of going back to AJ McKee, here's something that I've said many times. They have something with this guy. They have something with him. And we all knew that during the Grand Prix when he won the featherweight title. We knew unequivocally they had something very, very big with him after he finished Patricio to win the belt at Bellator 263 and won the million dollars. And they just didn't do enough to capitalize on that in the aftermath. But now they could do it again. Like you get a second chance here because this, this, this version of AJ McKee had a new and a healthier weight class. I would really like to see Bellator just put a spotlight on this guy. Get him on shows. Get him on Good Morning America. Get him on the Today Show. Get him on CBS This Morning. Like get him on these things. Like get him on there. Push this guy to the moon. Make him the face of your organization and make it known that this is our guy. This is our dude. And let people know about him. And after this performance and what he did and, and just how cool it was, I'll talk to this guy every week if Bellator wants me to. 100%. Big AJ McKee fan right now after that performance. And I always thought he was super talented and he had something, but after, the way he just went in there and was just like, I'm going to give the fans what they want. I'm going to dive right into the fire and just make this fun. Hell yeah. Great stuff. My other takeaway is, and this kind of goes to the grade overall, it's, it, this was an A for effort. I mean, it's an A for effort. No matter, no matter how you felt about this card, if you felt that going to all decisions was slowed down everything, if you watched Ryzen 41st and then waited for this main card, did it slow things down? Sure. I think the co-main event kind of slowed things down a little bit more, but luckily the main event was great. Was the main card compelling in a lot of ways? Absolutely. Were the fights mostly competitive? Yes. Was this card one that most people are going to go back, rush home, and watch again? Probably not. But guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Because, like I mentioned earlier, what Bellator and Ryzen did was they dared to try something different. And for that, a tip of the old cap. Like, when I was in elementary school just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. We had grades for certain subjects, but we also had like effort grades and like E was excellent and S was satisfactory. So while I say it's an A for effort, in the old Linden Elementary School world, this is an E for effort, an excellent effort. Because with the sport getting more mainstream with so many cards throughout the year, it just, like I said, things can feel watered down, right? Like the UFC is who they are. Not much is going to change in that regard. The risk Bellator and Ryzen took, incredibly commendable. And when this event was announced, everybody was excited for it. There was not a single negative thing to be said about it outside of once people found out that you couldn't watch it live in the U.S. And the biggest reason for it is because of the out-of-the-box thinking. Despite what some people who work for Bellator might say, 
the enthusiasm for this event, the anticipation for this event was pretty damn high. And I thought doing it on New Year's Eve, doing it in that time frame, and I'll talk about the week and everything in a moment, but the anticipation, the enthusiasm was high. We we're talking about it on every show. People wanted to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it. But again, the tape delay thing in the U.S. just, it kind of, it was tough, man. It was a tough hang. And you just, I, I don't know, like I said, I don't know anything about television distribution, but whoever is to blame for this, it just can't happen moving forward. Slap on the wrist, let's move on. But the relationship that Bellator and Ryzen has had over the years, it's been a lot of fun. And it was nice to see them team up again in some fashion. But I guess like the biggest question I have coming out of this event was, do they go back and do this again? Do we go back to the Bellator Ryzen well? Or do we go back to something that I truly enjoy? Do we go back to two separate events featuring some pairings of each promotion's fighters in different rule sets? Do we do the two events? Do we do the Bellator card two or three days earlier and then do the Ryzen card on New Year's Eve? Now, in my eyes, either way is fine, but if I had to choose, I'm choosing the latter. And that leads me to another sort of takeaway from all of this, and that is near impossible expectations. The, the expectations were almost impossible to reach. And the enthusiasm, the expectations for the card, they were high, almost to a point where it's impossible to reach. Like when you compare it to the PFL championship, that event was great. But I think what made that event so great is that we had like very low expectations for it. Like we had very low expectations. And I talked about this on the watch along on Saturday the PFL championship event was like eight-year-old Mike Heck going to see Cabin Boy at the movie theater. Because I watched the previews of Cabin Boy and Chris Elliott, who I think is hilarious. And I was just like, Dad, I don't want to see this. And he's like, ah, come on, let's just go see it. And I went and saw it, and I kind of laughed my ass off. And I was like, all right, this is the greatest movie of all time. But I had no expectations heading into it. The other thing that was made it a little bit unfair, and I, and I took this away because I woke up early and I watched a lot of Ryzen 40, putting that main card following the Ryzen big event and how it showcased like a lot of people were looking at as, Oh, this is the, the, the preliminary card for the Bellator Ryzen main card. And there's some truth to that, the way it was laid out, but the Ryzen 40 event was like its own event. And then Bellator versus Ryzen was kind of its own separate event. And for those who have watched these end of the year Ryzen cards, they're always chock full of mayhem and it always has hardcore fans, has media members who cover a lot of the, the Asian scene questioning MMA fighting and all the other websites are year-end awards because it either gets left out of the equation or they come out, like the awards come out before the event actually happens. And people are like, well, why don't you just wait for the Ryzen event? Because it's always awesome. And Ryzen 40 is its own separate entity. Like all of the New Year's Eve cards, it was absolutely wild. There were seven brutal finishes, eight maybe, I think it was seven. The featured bout was one of the most compelling fights on the entire slate, and this includes Bellator versus Horizon. The Saika Izawa, Siwoo Park, Adam Waite tournament finale fight, and the fight delivered. It was a chess match. It was great. I actually thought Siwoo Park won that fight, but in the end, Izawa remains undefeated, 
Caps off a 4-0 2022 year. Definitely gets some nods in the Female Fighter of the Year category. No doubt about that. She's got a check in the old box. She's the front runner right now for the 2023 Female Fighter of the Year. I can tell you that because that's how we're going to base this awards, base this event and these two events in my eyes in the awards section. It's going to be part of the 2023. But as I was somebody to watch, I thought Siwoo Park won the fight and it was a good scrap. But I remember... December 2019, right? It was December 2019. This is pre-pandemic. So a lot of you listening to this probably didn't even know this happened because I know a lot of newer fans have jumped on. But fans were, tweeted, fans were treated that fight week to both promotions putting on cards in the same arena. And I think it was like over a two-day span. I think one event was the 28th or the 29th of December and then one was New Year's Eve. And it was Bellator 237, I think, and Ryzen 20. And the Bellator event had the cage. It was under Bellator rules. It was the same building. It was was both were in the Saitama Super Arena. And the Bellator event gave more of their fighters the opportunity to compete in that arena. And I know how much that means to them. In fact, I remember interviewing Lorenz Larkin after he beat Andre Koreshkov. And most, most fans of Bellator thought he was the number one contender for the welterweight title at the time after the Koreshkov win. And he told me that he would rather fight on... That card, that Bellator card in Saitama over getting a title shot. If he had a choice, he's fighting in Saitama and not fighting for the belt. That's how much it meant to him. And that's how much it means to a lot of these guys. And I remember that Bellator card because I covered it for a different website. This is a few months before I started with MMA fighting. Michael Chandler was on that card. MVP was on that card. Lorenz got to fight on that card. He looked fantastic. You could tell how much that meant to him because he looked sensational. That was the main event with Fedor and and rampage and of course that fight was what it was the rest of the card was incredibly fun to watch and you know what there were fights after there were like post limbs and we had there's like five or six fights after the bellator card and it was very very cool and then a couple of days later we got Ryzen 20 which in a lot of people's eyes is one of the best events in mma over the last five years it was crazy it was a crazy event so i guess like my other takeaway is it, like, am I against a final week of the year, Bellator versus Ryzen sequel? No, I'm not. If they want to do this every New Year's Eve, I'm cool. Sign, excuse me, sign me up. I'll watch it. But if I had my druthers, and if it's feasible, I would rather see that concept be its own thing and then the New Year's Eve Ryzen card be its own thing, if that makes sense. Like, if you want to do... Bellator versus Ryzen, Bellator rules in the cage, switch things up for the next year, but still do it in Saitama. If you could pull it off where you could do it a day or two earlier, cool. Like, sign me up. And then do Ryzen, whatever it's going to be. Ryzen 47 or 40, whatever it's going to be. Do that on New Year's Eve and do this card on its own so that way they don't collide with each other. Not a knock, but that's just, if, if I had my druthers, that's what I would like to see. If I had the option, and I don't, and it's cool. Other takeaways, and you saw me tweet this out. The UFC is never going to take part in a co-promotional event like this. Will they be a part of like a big-time boxing card that would make them a ton of money? Yeah, we've seen it before with Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. It wouldn't stun me if we did it again. And as much as I would love to see the UFC take part in a co-promotional event like this, There's zero upside for the UFC at this point. Zero. There's none. And quite frankly, they just, they don't need to do it. 
They don't need to. We would love to see it, but they, they, I mean, it does nothing for them right now. It does nothing for them. Other than settle debates. But overall for the promotion, there's literally nothing for them. They're just, they're just at the top of the mountain. They're at the top of the mountain and everyone's trying to climb up and, and, and get to them. And it's, it's a hefty climb right now. But if you're, and again, that's okay. The UFC is who they are. They are the NFL. I know it's not exactly the same, but they are the NFL. Everybody else, still fun, still can do cool stuff, but you're not going to beat, you're not going to reach them. Like you're not competing with the UFC right now. You're just not. And that's okay. But you are competing if you're Bellator, the PFL, one championship, maybe KSW. You're competing with each other. You're competing with each other. You're right around the same, especially Bellator, PFL, and one. I think Bellator's number two. PFL's climbing, but I think Bellator's probably the number two promotion. I think PFL made things real interesting in 2022. One has a foundation to compete. I know they have the viewership. If I'm Chatri, and I've said this before, you need to get on board with this whole co-promotion thing. You need to get Scott Coker on the phone and just be like, how can we be a part of this? If you're the PFL, and I know they tweeted about this saying that Bellator don't want none, Bellator versus PFL would be fun as hell too. And I know it's, it's going to take a lot of creativity to make something happen. But if you're any one of these promotions outside of the UFC, you guys got to figure out a way. You guys got to be an empire and somehow find a way to, to be a part of something like, like, like this. Like, how could you be working for the PFL or one, watch that card and not want to get involved in some way with something like this? And I'm not saying like do it New Year's Eve, but you got to be creative about it. Like, I know there's this PFL is tough with the layout and the season and all that, but you got names there. And we've seen, we saw what happened with, with the PFL playoffs. They tried to move it to England and like a lot of the bigger names, a lot of the favorites who probably would have won the million dollars couldn't get the visas to go over there. Like some of those guys, some of those gals, maybe like a, a, an injury happens and there's an alternate that slides in. We could, we could be creative with this and somehow make it happen. And Jed Mishu has said this on many programs, including our BTL Festivus. That a Super Bowl of MMA would be an incredible idea. And he's a thousand percent correct. And the UFC is not going to get involved in it. They're not going to. But for these other four promotions, like these other promotions, Bellator, PFL, One, Ryzen, KSW, whatever, four or five promotions, they should find a way to make something incredibly cool happen if they can. Now, I know it's, it's, it's a long road to get there, but it would be cool as hell. And the attempt would be something that fans would gravitate towards. I mean, can you imagine the type of matchups we could get between champions and stars from all of these promotions? Not just Bellator versus Ryzen, but like all four of them and just do like a freaking Super Bowl? Like, that'd be sick. But it's going to take some realism, some like-minded thinking, some uncharacteristic camaraderie to make it happen in a sport and in a place where you don't get that very often. But if somehow we could, it would just be cool. And if you're a promotion, like, and Chatri said this publicly, instead of saying we would only co-promote the UFC, they're 1A, we're 1B, or vice versa, which is never, ever going to happen, which we've already talked about, 
why not try and prove your roster is better than some of the other major promotions in the world that people talk about? It doesn't all have to be focused around the UFC. Like other major players can do this incredibly cool idea. And you like if, if there's ever a if there's ever a way you can make the UFC feel like they're uninvited to the coolest party in town, if there's ever a way you could do that right now with where the UFC is, this is how you do it. And after seeing Bellator versus Ryzen, there's a lot of fun things we could do in the space with with a concept like this. And at the end of the day, as we talk about, MMA is supposed to be fun, right? The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And this leads me to my final takeaway. And this is the last time I'm going to talk about any of this crap. I'm not going to talk about but this... This made me upset more in the aftermath and once the event ended. And I was upset about it at the time. I probably got a little too crazy with it. I let my ego, my stubbornness, all that kind of get the best of me when I called out a certain individual. But it's not really a secret anymore, my friends, because at many points during the build, to this card on Saturday. And I told you this was going to happen. And it did. And it made me really upset for like 15 minutes yesterday. The build wasn't about Bellator versus Ryzen. It became more about Bellator versus the MMA media. And vice versa at times. Like I said, I stand on that. I stand on that crate, hand in the air saying that I screwed up. I made it about me. I made it about the MMA media beef versus Josh Thompson and, and the things he said that were incredibly wrong. And at times, and more times, and even building, because I've, I've people send me tweets and stuff all the time, and I don't really care anymore. But it became more about Bellator versus the media than Bellator versus Ryzen. And to me, that's not fair to the concept. That's not fair to the promotions involved. And most importantly, that's not fair to the fighters. And like I said, I lost sight of that a couple of times. I'm a stubborn prick at times for Boston. And maybe that's just because I care about what I do so much that my ego just gets the best of me. And I'm not trying to make any excuse for that. But I try to wonder where it all comes from. And I think about the road that I've traveled to get to where I am. All the work, all the sacrifice, all the things I missed out on in order to 
try to accomplish this dream and to have somebody come out and say, do your effing job. This is how you're supposed to do things. It set me off and it could have been Josh could have been anybody else. I've had social media interactions with fans and people I respect for saying we're not covering things well enough or anything like that. That's just my ego that I got to get in check sometimes. And I, I've, yeah, I screwed the pooch. I know I'm probably going to be the only one to say that. I don't think we're going to hear Josh Thompson say that he screwed the pooch. In fact, he's probably going to double down on it. And that's okay. That's fine. Because we did, we did a lot for this event. We talked about it a lot. And we covered the hell out of it. And we woke up early and we did play-by-play for you. Like I said, the sweet irony in all of this is one of the bigger negatives coming from fans, especially in the United States, was that the MMA media covered this tremendously. So that by the time they woke up, everything was done. Like we covered it too well. And it shouldn't have been that way. It should have been something we're all watching and following along with, but it didn't happen. But we all just want the same things, right? And I don't know how many times I have to publicly say this, but for the sake of this show, and I just hit my microphone a little bit, but I'm just going to say this one more time. I want Bellator to succeed. I want them to do really well. I want the fighters in the organization and out of it too. I want all the fighters, but I'm talking about Bellator specifically right now. I want them to get opportunities to live the best lives they can for themselves and their families because of what they put on the line for us. I fell in love with covering MMA because of the athletes because of their stories, their whys for actually getting into a cage or in Saturday sense, a ring to get punched and kicked or soccer kicked or stomped in the face for a living. Like you're a special, special individual. And that includes you, Josh Thompson. I have immense respect for Josh Thompson and what he did as a fighter. 100%. And where my beef and such comes from is not... I'm not dogging Josh Thompson, the fighter, and I never did. Josh was a, was a fun-ass fighter. He was great. He's a world champion. I have so much respect for that guy. But he's also one of us, and he can deny it all he wants. He is one of us. He is a member of the media. He's not a journalist. He's not a journalist. He's not out there breaking scoops and talking to sources and doing all these things. But he is a part of the media. He's part of the broadcast. Troy Aikman, this is the point I made a lot. Troy Aikman is not a journalist. Troy Aikman's not a journalist, but Troy Aikman's part of the NFL media. Why? Because he's on television and he talks about the sport that he covers. He's part of the media. John Anik is part of the media. Joe Rogan is part of the MMA media. He is. So are you. So is John. They are. You're just not journalists. You're just not a journalist, and that's okay. But we all need to come together and just realize that we all want the same things. Yes, the UFC is by a wide, wide margin the biggest promotion in the world. They are number one with a bullet. And the biggest stars and the biggest stories in the sport of mixed martial arts come from the UFC. It's just the facts. It's not anybody being a prick. It's not anybody being an asshole. It's just the way that it is. It's the truth. They are the biggest organization 
They have the biggest stories. They have the biggest stars in the sport. But that doesn't mean that the media does not want to cover Bellator or any other organization. That's just so inaccurate. Along with some of the other narratives that were painted upon a media. And I'm not going to go through this again. But I'll just drop this one more time. This notion and this narrative that we don't want to cover Bellator because the UFC is going to get mad at us and not credential us is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just not true. Have there been instances where media members have been banned? Yes. But I can assure you it's not because they covered Bellator or covered PFL or covered another organization. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I don't have to cover another UFC event on site ever again if I don't want to. I don't. I don't have to. I could do it from here. Pay-per-views, we do the watch parties in New York. doesn't matter. November, I was in New York. I was five miles from Madison Square Garden. I could have covered that event live, but I didn't. I went into the studio with GC and we did the watch party and I loved it. It was fun. It mixed up the monotony for me. I could sit home and watch pay-per-view and do the post-fight shows and do the interviews and do all this stuff. I could do it from here. I don't have to go there. And I've said this a million times and I'll say it again. If MMA fighting was like, hey, Mike, go out for UFC fight week, but but come home Friday night, come home after ceremonial weigh-ins. Or come home Saturday morning. You can't go to the fights. I'd be like, yep, sign me up. I just like being out there. And I would do the same for any promotion if the opportunity arose. But again, UFC is the top promotion. That's where the biggest stories come from. It's just the way that it is. Now that can be fixed. That can all be fixed. And... I know we had our promotional festivus and I know we're kind of hard on all four promotions. And I think some people felt we were a little bit harder on Bellator and I don't necessarily agree with that. I think everybody got their share. I mean, we spent 35 minutes talking about a lot of the UFC's issues. That's far more time than anybody else, but Bellator has issues. They've had a bunch over the years. And I've also said on multiple occasions, I think they've 2022, it wasn't a spectacular year for them. It was a good year for them. Like some of the issues that they've had coming out of 2021 and 2022, they fixed them. They did more fun things. Some of the production got cleaned up a little bit. Some of the issues I had with watching the broadcast got improved. They got improved. I thought John McCarthy had an excellent year on commentary, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is all of the issues that we've seen and we've talked about with Bellator. All of it can be fixed. None of this is impossible stuff to fix. They just got to do it. They just got to do it. The big thing is, and I think it was kind of, and again, I don't know how about the television distribution and all of that. I don't know. I don't know how that all works. However, Bellator's got to get off Showtime. They got to get off Showtime. Enough. Enough. Get off of Showtime. Stay in the networks. Use Showtime as a, as a place to watch replays or do whatever. You can get on Paramount Plus. Stream it on Paramount Plus. Go live on Paramount Plus. Figure out a way to do it. It's just way more accessible to your product. And I've talked about 
the Paramount Plus deal, how they kind of merged with Showtime. They did a cool thing like, hey, if you sign up for $7.99 for Paramount Plus, you get Showtime like in the same app. And even still, like when I want to watch Bellator live on like on that new app that I have, I have to work really hard to find it. Like I have to do a lot of scrolling. I have to search. I have to go all over the place to try to find it. It's not as easy as like click the app, click OK, boom. Like ESPN Plus, if I want to watch UFC, you go right on ESPN Plus, it's the first thing you see. Even one, as much as I like to dog on one, and there's plenty of reasons for it. When they do those events on Amazon Prime, as soon as you go on Prime, the night of the event, it's right there. It is plastered for you to see. It's right there. Thursday Night Football. I know Jed talked about this. Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football crew, they're reading promos for the one event. CBS. You're doing a broadcast on CBS. How powerful would that be if Jim Nance was like, hey, this Saturday, this Friday night, Danny Sabatello, Rafion Stotts, the rivalry comes to a head. Watch it live on Paramount+. Plus. Just make it more accessible, man. Just make it more accessible. And But what leads me to my point, and I just went off on a rant, but these are like all these things can be fixed, and Bellator can do well. And what they did the last three months of the year, I thought was great. I loved, for the most part, the Stott Sabatello build. I thought that was the biggest. That was the biggest event, the biggest fight they had this year, not including the Bellator versus Rising card. I loved how they did the little thing with Liver King and Pitbull and and Paulo Costa. That was friggin' awesome. You put a lot of eyeballs on your product doing it that way. I love the Dust Commander thing. I like that they're thinking outside the box. Like, they're doing these things that we've been saying and critiquing for a long time, and they're doing it. I think they have good momentum right now, and I think they could be great. Like, I think they can. They have a really good roster. They have the second-best roster in in the sport. Their roster's better than ones. Their roster's better than PFLs. It's not better than the UFCs, but... They have some interesting names. That there's conversations to be had. Scott Coker was like, I, I I listened to Scott Coker's media scrum, and some people had some issues with Scott saying we could send three or four guys from each division into fight UFC guys, and we think we could do pretty well. I don't think he's t- like three or four might be a stretch, but they got they got guys who could go in there and give fights to the Bellator guys or to the UFC guys. Excuse me, like Vadim Nemkov. Is is I don't think he's the best 205er in the world. I don't. I don't think he's the best in the world. I think he's well on his way. I think a couple more wins against some established names. I think he can get there. I don't think he's there yet. I think Johnny Eblen is a really interesting case because I think if you chucked him in there with Alex Pereira right now, champion versus champion, I think it's a pretty competitive fight. I would lean Pereira for the power, but if Johnny Eblen beat Alex Pereira, it would not shock me. It just wouldn't. I think Usman Ramagamadoff is on his way to being just tremendous. Like Us- in two years, we could absolutely be having a conversation that Usman Ramagamadoff is the best lightweight in the world. Would not absolutely. They have stars. They got AJ McKee. They got something. Now we just got to put it all together. And I understand. Like some sometimes you put on these events. You have stars, but you don't have a ton of them. It's hard to like 
get great main events every single card. I get it. I get it. But this is 2023 is a big year for Bellator. And I actually, I, I feel good about it. I feel like they're going to do some good things. I was very pleased with the last quarter of the year. I was very pleased that they're thinking outside of the box with the Rising card. And I was actually, I was very pleased watching it. Like I know it was five decisions and I know not all the fights were thoroughly entertaining. I get it. But they're doing good things and they're trying to have fun. And you can come from this from all different angles. But moving forward, no matter what kind of card Bellator does, and this is a message to Josh, to John, and actually not really to John because John's kind of stayed out of it for the most part and I respect the hell out of him for that. But just know we all want the same things, man. We all want the same things. And as I've said before, I would love to get Josh Thompson on the phone and not even for this, like not even to do an interview or anything like that. I just want to talk to the man. I just want to talk to the man. I would love to know where he's coming from. I'd love to understand where these passions come from. I want to know who's telling him some of the things that he's been told that he's saying into a microphone. And I'd love to answer his questions too. I don't want 2023 at any point to, for a conversation to be about a promotion versus the MMA media. We hit, we've done it enough with Dana in the UFC. It was, it's dumb when he does it. It's silly when everybody else does it. It's just silly. It's just silly. We all want the same things. We all want Bellator to do well. Because if Bellator does well, we do well. If PFL does well, we do well. If people are engaged and they're into the product, that's great for us. Gives us more to talk about. I want this to happen. And the fact that, the, the fact that this had to be a promotion versus the media thing, and it was actually the biggest story of the entire build of this, is just, it, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. And I'm pissed at myself for actually falling into the trap. I'm even like, I've even talked about it a lot here that like much more than I want. So hopefully this like puts us all to bed. I got a feeling that it ain't, it's just, I'm feeling when the next podcast that, that Josh is on happens, he's probably going to call the media out again. He's going to call the fans out again for complaining about the tape delay and all that stuff. And, I don't want that, man. Like, let's just move forward. 2023 is a new year. We all want the same things. Let's all do our best to get there, okay? That's all I'm going to say about it. But overall, cool event. Very compelling stuff. Overall grade A-. minus. AJ McKee, MVP, star. Should be the face of Bellator, 100%. Props to the rising guys for making these fights in some cases, much more competitive than I thought they were going to be. I'm not shocked at the sweep. I'm really not. I felt, for the most part, the, the fights went mostly the way I thought they would outside of the Takeda fight. That was much closer. I thought the Pitbull-Koike fight was closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, they were, they were, Ryzen was, they showed up, man. They showed up and they made these fights tougher on them. And it was a cool event. Edge of your seat stuff. We didn't get five crazy flying knee finishes, but overall, like if you're just a fan of the sport and you want to watch high-level stuff, we got it. We got it in spades. We got some cool, funny irony. Last little joke to you, Josh. Um, but coming out of this, I just I, I want the focus 
when we when it comes to Bellator events to be on the fights and the fighters. Let's just do that. Let's all strive for the same things. As Ariel says all the time, rising tides raise all ships or all boats. It does. So let's rise this tide together. Shall we? That's what we need to do in 2023. And I wish Bellator the best. And I hope they keep doing what they've been doing to close out 2022. Because if they do, it's got to be a good year for them. The, the promotional festivus for 2023 is going to sound a lot different, I think. And I talked to somebody from Bellator yesterday. And I hope they shut a lot of people up. That's good for all of us. So there you go. There's my review. Um, back on Tuesday, we'll do normal stuff. Heck of a morning. We'll take your calls. We'll get your reactions to this Bellator versus rising card. We'll get your reaction to some of the big news and notes that have come over the last week of 2022. Well, I'm sure there'll be other things to talk about. Ariel's back on Wednesday for the MA hour award show Thursday. Heck of a morning. BTL. We'll be back live on video. Talking about the biggest news in the sport. Friday, heck of a morning again. AK and I are going to have your 2023 predictions extravaganza. That'll probably be video as well on Sunday. Lots to be excited about this week. So again, to anybody listening right now, to anybody who might be listening, I don't know. I, I've talked enough here. Thank you very much for all of your support. I hope you guys enjoyed all of our coverage from 2022. 2023 is going to be a big year for everybody. And I wish you a very happy, healthy, and a heck of a 2023. We'll see you on Tuesday, everybody. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.